Curious Kid Podcast. We are closing in on five full years of the podcast, so it's pretty rare that we do something we've never done before. But that's exactly what's going to happen this week. Olivia is going to interview the grandpa of one of our listeners. Why is she doing that? Well, it's because he just happens to be a super expert on the topic we're covering this week. Triple mailbag! Triple mailbag! Dear Olivia and Jacob, I am Edward from Texas, and I would like to know about rockets. It would make me really happy if you learned about them for me. From Edward, six years old. Hello, Jacob and Olivia. My name is Finley from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. My family and I love your podcast. My cousin from New Zealand told us about your podcast when she came to visit us this summer. We have listened to it before bed almost every night since. I'm curious about zodiac signs. I am a Gemini. My brother Rowan is curious about spaceships, diamonds, and other gemstones. Thanks for all the great work from Finley, age 10, and Rowan, age 8. Hey, Jacob and Olivia. My name is Asher. I am 7 years old, and I live in Florida. I am curious about sharks, dinosaurs, and rocket ships. I heard you were looking for experts to come on the podcast. My grandpa works for NASA as an engineer. He designs rocket propulsion systems. He would love to come on the podcast if you guys would like to have him. I love your podcast and listen to it in the car all the time. Love, Asher. Oh my goodness, those were amazing emails. It's incredible to think that a listener from New Zealand shared the podcast with her cousin from Canada. And now we have two new fans in Canada. Our listeners are really like a big global family. We are so lucky to have listeners from all around the world. And, as if that's not awesome enough, Asher was kind enough to lend us his grandpa for a few minutes to answer questions about rockets. I can't wait to interview Asher's grandpa Bill in just a few minutes. Let's learn all about rockets for Edward, Finley, Rowan, Asher, and Olivia from Ocala, Florida, who reached out to us on Instagram to let us know that she's also curious about rockets. I'm a bit nervous about this episode because I feel like the information is going to be hard to understand. Why would you feel that way? Because when people want to say that something is not difficult, they sometimes say, it's not rocket science. That must mean that rocket science is very difficult. It must be so difficult because they compare everything else to it. Well, I have faith that we will learn and understand a lot about rockets and how they work by the end of this episode. Let's get things started with the question of the week. The question of the week is, why are rockets so much bigger than airplanes? While you're thinking about the answer, let's define what space is. Understanding what space is will give us a much better understanding of how space rockets work. I know what space is, Dad. I'm pretty sure lots of our listeners know what space is. Is that right? If you know what space is, how would you describe space? Space is like everything in the universe that doesn't include Earth itself. That's a good try, but it's not 100% correct. The universe includes everything physical in existence, including planets, stars, and other celestial objects, while space 
is the empty area in between all those things. On Earth, we have gravity, which is an invisible force that tries to pull everything towards the Earth. As you get further from Earth, Earth's atmosphere will end and space will begin. So where does Earth's atmosphere end and space begin? Many experts consider that spot to be about 60 miles above Earth. Airplanes only fly about as high as nine and a half miles above Earth, so 60 miles is far, far away. It's far, but it's not that far. If we were driving on the highway with no traffic, we could drive 60 miles in less than an hour. In a rocket, it would take only three minutes to get 60 miles above Earth. In space, there is no atmosphere. Space is completely dark and also completely silent. Even if you screamed in space, it would be silent. That's because there is no air in space. There is no air to scatter sunlight, which is why space is black, not blue like our sky. Now that we learned a bit about space, let's learn about the amazing rockets that are powerful enough to launch into space. A rocket contains about 3 million different parts. And we're going to talk about each and every one of them in this episode. Just kidding. That would take forever. We're just going to talk about the four major components of a rocket. The first is the structure, which is the frame of the rocket that keeps everything together. Then there is the propulsion system, which includes the engine, fuel tanks, rocket boosters, and more. The propulsion system gives the rocket all of the power needed to move very fast. There is a guidance system, which is the onboard computer responsible for navigating the rocket to the desired destination. Finally, there is a payload, which is whatever the rocket is carrying, including people. All those parts weigh a lot, so it takes a lot to get all of those parts to move. In order to understand how rockets move, we need to consider the forces acting on a rocket. If you listened to episode 17, Curious About Airplanes, you may remember that we discussed the forces that work on an airplane. The forces that work on a rocket are a bit different. There is one force that pushes a rocket upward, and that force is called thrust. The amount of thrust a rocket has depends on how much gas the rocket fires and at what speed that gas is fired out of its exhaust nozzle. Space shuttles require about 7 pounds of fuel for every pound of payload that they carry, so larger rockets will need more fuel. There are two forces acting against a rocket as it climbs through the sky. One of those forces is the weight of the rocket, which includes gravity trying to pull the rocket back down to Earth. The other force is called drag, which can also be referred to as air resistance. Drag refers to the force of the air pushing back against the rocket. Rockets have to move super fast to overcome the forces of weight and drag as they fly towards space. They have to reach a speed called escape velocity. In order to escape the gravitational pull of Earth, rockets have to reach a speed of at least 25,000 miles per hour. That equates to 7 miles per second. Rockets are able to reach those speeds because of the impressive propulsion systems they have on board that generate enough thrust to overcome the weight and drag acting against the rocket. 
We are so lucky to have a special guest in this episode. That is an expert on propulsion systems and can teach us so much about how rockets are able to move so quickly. His name is Bill, and he is a fluids engineer currently working on the Artemis rocket and ground system. He handles anything with liquid oxygen, liquid hydrogen, and hydrazine propellants, as well as the gas systems on the rocket. He does design and analysis of systems for all these topics. He worked on the design of the Lockheed Martin Atlas Centaur rocket, and even did development work on the space station toilet system. Bill finds the most efficient ways to get liquids and gases from one place to another on the launch pad and in flight at the right temperature. He loves solving hard problems and enjoys working around rockets and things that go boom. Bill has been working in space and defense for 30 years, and we are so lucky to have someone with his expertise join us for an interview. Olivia, prepare for takeoff! Hello, Olivia and Jacob. Thanks for having me on your podcast uh, to answer some questions about the space and rockets. Uh, this is a, interest, a subject that I'm very interested in, and I hope that you get some fun answers and see what's going on and can see what's going on and, uh, and you learn something. Bill, thank you so much for joining us on the Curious Kid podcast. How does a rocket work in space if there is no air? Well, the answer to this comes from uh, a famous mathematician called Sir Isaac Newton, who in the 1700s came up with the idea that there is no action without an equal and opposite reaction. And you say, oh, well, what does that mean? Well, that, that means that if we do something in one direction, there will be a reaction to it in the other direction. So imagine if you were standing on your skateboard and you had a big rock and you through the rock backwards, it's going to make you on your skateboard go forward. Now, we don't need air to do that. That just happens because it's that's Newton's third law that says if there's a reaction, it's going to be an equal and opposite reaction. <clears throat> when we take that rock and throw it, that's it propels us forward. That's exactly what a rocket does in space. A rocket takes its own fuel, and it takes also what's called an oxidizer, which is what allows the fuel to burn, and it burns them together in a what's called a combustion chamber on the rocket engine, and then it passes it through the nozzle, which we can see at the bottom of the rocket if we look at a picture of a rocket, and it sends it out the back of the rocket very, very fast, and the faster and the heavier the object that we throw out of the back of the rocket the faster the rocket will go. So even though there's no air, it doesn't need to push on anything. It doesn't have to get pushed. It uses its own propellant, fuel and oxidizer, to go out the back of the rocket very fast and make the rocket go. Why does the rocket make so much fire when it launches? Well, there's two reasons why there's so much fire when, 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 when we watch a, a rocket launch. One is, as we talked about in the, second, in the second question, is to say that when the rocket burns its fuel, it has oxidizer and fuel. So that's usually oxygen is the oxidizer. And the fuel is usually either kerosene or sometimes it's liquid hydrogen. 
And when those burn together, they make a flame, just like when you, if you turn on your stove at home, if it's a gas stove, or if you light a lighter, or if you light a match, you see a flame. That's why you'll see a flame. Now, a lot of times the flame that we see on the rocket, especially when it takes off from the ground, isn't really so much the flame because a lot of rockets burn very, very cleanly and there you can't really see the fire very well. In fact, a hydrogen oxygen, if the if the propellant, the fuel is liquid hydrogen and the oxidizer is liquid oxygen, the exhaust or the thrust or the flame that comes out is almost invisible. We can't even see it. And what we're seeing is when we launch a rocket, especially when we launch it from the ground, because there's so much fire and it's so hot and it's so violent when it takes off, that what we do is we spray water into the air around the rocket engines and the rocket engines themselves produce so much exhaust that it goes and it makes all the dirt and dust fly off everything around the rocket. So a lot of times when we see the rocket taking off, all that, all that, those clouds and smoke and things like that, they're really steam and dust and dirt and chemicals that are getting burned on the, on the launch pad as the rocket takes off. It's not actually the fire from the rocket. It's just because of the fire from the rocket. So, and you'll notice when your rocket takes off, once it gets up into space or gets higher up, when you can watch it so down in Florida where I live, you can watch the rockets take off. And at the very beginning, there's all that flame and fire. But once they get up into the air, it's just a very, very thin and almost hard to see sometimes flame that comes out of the back of the rocket. The question of the week is, why are rockets so much bigger than airplanes? Uh, as I explained before, a rocket carries its fuel. Sometimes that's hydrogen. Sometimes that's kerosene. And it also carries its own oxidizer because as we travel up into space, there's no air to use <clears throat> that we can burn our burn the fuel by itself. An airplane uses air to burn. It carries its own fuel, but it doesn't carry its own oxidizer. So it makes it a little easier for an airplane. Also, airplanes use the air to stay. Uh, they use the, the, the speed of the air or the speed of the airplane to keep the plane up in the air where a rocket has to use its propulsion the entire time to keep it going until it gets up into up into space. So a rocket needs to be much bigger because, well, it's also going to travel much farther than a plane does, but it also has to lift all that weight using just its rocket engine, whereas an airplane gets to use the air to help it stay up in the air. Do you have any idea when we will get to Mars? Well, in some of the earlier questions that I answered, I explained about how we use a fuel and an oxidizer. And between those two, they burn together and it makes, it makes thrust so that the rocket can fly through space. Well, flying through space is a pretty difficult thing to do because we have to do several things. Like a plane, we have to take off. And there's all that fire that we described with all the with the water and the heat and everything. We have to lift off 
and then we have to fly through the Earth's atmosphere, which has air in it, and and, and that has air resistance, and it makes it the the rocket flies so quickly it makes the rocket hot. And then once we get into outer space, we have to fly for a very, very, very long distance. It's millions of miles to Mars. So it's a very, very complicated project because the rockets have to be big. It takes a long time to fly to Mars. Right now, if we took a rocket that we currently have, it takes nine months to fly, just to fly from Earth, just to get to Mars. And of course, one of the problems that we have is we have to put, we have astronauts on, on, the, on the rockets and those astronauts have to eat and they have to have water and they have to have medical care because it's nine months and they have to have place to exercise. Just like astronauts that go to the International Space Station, they live up there and they have to exercise because there's the effects of gravity make them get weak because they aren't, they, if they don't exercise. So they have to exercise the whole way. And even then it's very difficult because they're not exercising on earth. So the gravity isn't as much and therefore they become weaker. So when they get to Mars, now they have to exercise a little bit more because now that they're on Mars, they have some gravity. They have to exercise there. And then they have to do whatever they're going to do on Mars and they have to return back from Mars, which is another nine months. So it's a very, very long trip. And humans aren't designed. People aren't designed to live off of the Earth. We're designed to live on the Earth. When we live in our atmosphere, we're protected from the harsh sunlight uh, that we don't get here on Earth because our atmosphere filters out that sun, some of that sunlight and that radiation. And it makes it safe for us to live on Earth. But when we go up into space, we're not protected from that. So there are lots of pieces that we have to worry about. The food, the radiation, the long time, the exercise. All these things have to be, think, have to be thought of. And a rocket has to be built that can do all of those things. Right now, the rockets we use, the, the astronauts are in a very small space. They, they sit in a chair. They just go to where they're going to go. And maybe they go walk on the moon a little bit or and then they get back on their rocket and fly back to Earth in a, in a couple of days. But it's a very short trip. So it's a very long trip. So it's very complicated. And the rockets that we have to build to do that are going to require lots of extra extra fuel to get to Mars. And they're going to require fuel to get back. And they have to carry all that food and and in gear that they're going to need. So all those things have to happen. And so it's it's a big project. It's very expensive. And the technology or the things that we need to do, those things pretty much exist, but it's very expensive. And it takes a long time to get them to be safe enough that we can fly all the way to Mars. So I would guess that it will probably be another 15 years before at least before we send somebody to Mars because it's a very difficult problem and rockets are very complicated and they have to be built very safely to take people safely to Mars and back. Wow, that was amazing. A million thanks to Bill for joining us for a few minutes and for teaching us so many cool things about rockets. I thought I had a cool job, 
but I think Bill might just have me beat. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening to this week's podcast number 231 on Rockets. Great job, Olivia, and great job, Edward, Finley, Rowan, Asher, and Olivia for an episode topic suggestion that definitely wasn't a drag. Before we say goodbye for the week, we have amazing listeners to thank. We want to thank our Han and Anya from Australia for the five-star review. It says, you rock. Hi, Curious Kids. We are Arhan and Anya. We love your podcast because we learn about a variety of topics, from candy to rats. Arhan's favorite episode was about evolution, and Anya's was about the heart. Thank you for your podcasts, and keep doing a phenomenal job teaching everyone. That was beautiful. Five-star reviews mean so much to us, and they also help new people discover the podcast. Join us next week when we will get curious about muscles for listeners in California. As always, thank you so much for listening and getting curious with us.